Here, here's a question for actually all of us, because I feel like Chandler and I haven't really discussed it much on the podcast yet. Because I feel like it is important to to talk about our Blu-ray collecting, in particular, the uh, Criterion I'll collection. This. Do you yeah. do you do much? You're on the Criterion Discord, so I know you like Criterion. Do you do much collecting of the Blu-rays? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I have a a collection. How big is your collection? How big is your Criterion collection? I'm curious. Let me see. I actually have a mine is getting embarrassingly big. So, Chandler's your, your Chavez's collection is getting pretty big, although it's stuck in a closet for some reason. Oh, it's not even my closet; it's my sister's closet. Yeah, you need to get a bookshelf, my friend. <laughs> I need a room. I literally sleep on a couch. So, I have seventy three, but that's including the uh, Berkman Cinema. Which I think you is... have the Bergman set? I do, yeah. Oh my god. That still only counts as one. Yeah, no, it totally what? counts as one. It does. Okay. <laughs> Damn. Um, so I think minus that, that's um forty. They're basically around like forty criterions. Um, but I also have collect the Arbolos uh oh, okay. collection, which all of them are, are pretty good. Uh, especially Funeral Parade of Roses. That's oh, a good one to watch. Oh, yeah, you just recommended me that one. Dice Case so recommended good. it, too. Yeah, oh, interesting. there you go. <laughs> I missed that. Uh, just as a curiosity, how do you guys feel about Arrow? I have not bought anything by Arrow. I was very close to buying something from Arrow uh, at Zia yeah. the other day, but I didn't. From how I... I look good. No, I was just going to say, I only have two so far, but I have no complaints. I have a Yakuza Law and um, Audition, and both of them. I mean, they're essential. They're similar to Criterion. They, you know, they're, they're not as um, elegant with their packaging. You know, they don't have little booklets and crazy art, but all they have a good amount of special features. the The film quality is good. They they definitely have arguably more obscure movies than Criterion does. But mm. what I really appreciate is that they have uh, reverse um, uh, ver- reverse slip covers. Which, you know, the only I other like movie I have that has that is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I do appreciate when uh, I get that option. More choice is good. Always good. Of course. Whenever you get it. But yeah. No, I don't have any arrows, although I, I should probably get some. I don't know. They, they do have a very specific kind of movie. Yeah. Movie. Although I was surprised to see that Cinema Paradiso is in the Arrow collection. The, and yeah. I was, the, I was thinking of getting uh, that actually. The apartment is also in the Arrow yeah. collection because I normally associate really obscure horror and yeah, other stuff. Majority with of them. stuff horror yeah. and I don't want to say schlock, but kind of artsy schlock. A lot of what <laughs> they have, but yeah, no, they they get, they do some interesting stuff. I mean, with Arrow, um, it definitely feels more like on the end of like cult movie B movie stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, which i think is great and definitely we should have somebody collecting that sort of like a a vinegar syndrome or whatnot but uh Mm -hmm. it's not quite the movie i like so i respect it i just don't think i'll really get into it yeah Um, i think i would rather get into like eureka on the (laughs) on the english front (laughs) yeah it's it's kind of hard to go from like you know uh all the Ozu movies to yeah. Re-end. Sorry, my uh, my my palate is a bit too uh, refined. <laughs> oh, <Ugh. laughs> 
I do not want any of this trash, this B-movie trash. <laughs> These Arrow movies are not for me. So here, here's my next question. What is our, okay. out of all of our Criterion collections, what is our favorite one that we have? That we own? Oh, no. That doesn't necessarily mean and, favorite and look, movie, correct? Right. And I know, I know we all love Solo, but you can't pick it, Chandler, okay? <laughs> okay. To be fair, the Solo um, Criterion is pretty Very good. Well, yes, Dude, we're going to get into that. in That's, there. Ooh, okay, we'll get to it. You two discuss first. I'm going to check this, my collection real quick. Sure. So, so is I'm, this I'm, film by like quality of the film or like the overall criterion? The uh well, because we're not picking movies here, we're picking criterions. I'm talking about like which which DVD or Blu-ray case do you love the most that you Okay. Like, so we're talking packaging, the all the supplements packaging. and all that. Okay. Yeah. Um I would say from what I own. Uh, it's between Seven Samurai mm. and True Stories. True Stories. Oh, True Stories is they great. went all good. the fuck out with that packaging. <laughs> it comes with like a little newspaper and like all of the little extras and bits and bobbles that definitely uh is required in that movie. I think it comes with the soundtrack too. Which is uh, oh, wow. that's a big move. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's it's, it's kind of hard to. I I feel like with movies like True Stories, where it for the longest time it was hard to find. Whenever Criterion brings these kind of movies back, they always go like they're making up for lost time almost. Yeah. Um, True Stories is just great, and I, it's kind of hard to not release a movie made by David Byrne without you including gotta. the music. Gotta. Yeah. Hmm. And really good. I mean, I, I like all Talking Heads, uh, but that was a really good part in the, in their career. Oh yeah, I I'm I wish he would have made more movies. Oh totally. It's it's very strange that they managed to capture the sort of essence of the to- the tone of the Talking Heads like sound into a movie, but he did really but well. Did. That's what's that's what's so. I mean, that's a really good mark of a, a true artist is you know their having, vision transcends medium yeah having that that uh that balance of fiction and non-fiction and sort of making it a design that you can put on anything mm-hmm. i guess and i always love john goodman i for the longest time like i i haven't seen true stories yet but our friend nick got it a while back and i was looking at the front cover and it took me ages to figure out that that was John Goodman. <laughs> Age, How can you not? Way too. How can you? I don't understand it. It doesn't well, look just like, John, it looks like John Goodman. He's just no, it upside doesn't. down. It, it, precisely. All you have to do is turn a face upside down, and suddenly you, this is why Superman me. can get by with just putting glasses on. That's a great way of explaining <laughs> it. That's exactly what I feel like. Um, okay, so my cover. my favorite is probably yeah the one of those two Seven Samurai or True Stories. What do you guys say, Chandler? You you want to go or should I go? Yeah, I'll go real quick. Okay, I got. I, I it's really hard to narrow it down for just one, so it I'll is. just be brief. I have three. Uh, <laughs> first of all, the Doctor Strange Love Criterion is just great. Mm-hmm. Yes, not necessarily in terms of special features, which they are good. Don't get me wrong, but I mean. The the criterion itself, a lot of the um, materials, it comes in a sealed dossier, and you have the mm-hmm. little top secret book. 
the little pocket is it the book of russian phrases yes was it a pocket <laughs> yes it's great it really captures the feel of that movie um the the apu trilogy is an amazing one just because you know it's got all three movies and it's got a good amount of special features and i kind of feel the same way about the before trilogy just trilogy boxes in general and this may be recency bias but i love the grand budapest hotel criterion it's is it good easily the oh, oh god it's easy i have to the wait i have West to wait till Anderson the uh one. sale in yeah july well, it's similar it. to the strange love one where it has a lot of fun little um uh things on the inside but it's also a very i you know i i just love behind the scenes type stuff and mm-hmm. the wes anderson ones in particular just because when when you see the ridiculousness of a wes anderson set and the characters and the costume just sort of see it from the eyes of a like a uh a b-roll um uh photographer it just makes it all the more ridiculous and just getting an insight to just how he directs people is just funny to me mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking yeah, forward to that three. one oh it's great so the two that I really I tend to go more for digi packs. I like those ones a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the magnificent Ambersons release is just it's so nice to hold and just to look at. Oh, and I don't have that one. It just the feeling of it's very nice, and the the cover art and design it's very they're they're like incomplete sketches. So it's very appropriate for a movie that's incomplete and never really finished by Orson oh. Welles' standards. Oh, yes. Uh, great supplements are pretty, too. pretty great, too. But yeah, here's a question. I've asked this to uh, Arizona Chandler before, but Chandler, do you <laughs> have you noticed that Criterions have a unique smell to them? God damn it. Um, yeah, especially the Digipacks. Because <laughs> I, I smell my new Criterions. <laughs> I've gone uh, nothing to, like a new criterion smell for sure. I've gone to Barnes and Noble and record stores with this man, and every time he buys a new one, I always have to be in the car with him when he fucking sniffs it. Just, oh, I'm, I'm smelling the solo one right now. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> no, but the other I made one, it scratch and sniff. <laughs> I'd buy it. Beaten sniff. <laughs> So the other one, and I bought this one for Chandler, and he still hasn't watched it yet, is <laughs> Andre Rublev, and I I mm. love that cover. Yes. And it is like, a great cover. Special, it has more than one version of that movie. I don't even know why oh, you God. need more than one, but it does. So what's the good one? Is it like a theatrical director thing? Yeah, that's usually how it is. The can we just say how I think the the wildest Criterion release yet has probably been the the Tree of Life. Because Why? Terrence Malick literally remade the movie. Again, like what? not because he was unhappy with the original edit. He was just like, eh, I want to make a different edit. Do something different with it and release what? it on Criterion. This is wild to me. Hmm. Also, also, I want to keep this to be a, a theme with guests too. But uh, other Chandler, what is your dream Criterion release? Uh, here we go. Um, <laughs> Good question. Good question. Good did we question. ask this? We asked this Dice K, didn't we? Yeah, yeah did, he said did. He, he said, said pink flamingos. Pink flamingos and a which pink is flamingo. Hell yeah, that's completely a, out of left field. I would that's watch a, it. I'd buy it. That's a that's a Chad response. <laughs> it really <for> is. Sure. <laughs> uh dream. I think after watching this is maybe more utilitarian, but after watching the devils, 
I think mm. that Criterion could do a really good spin on that one. Yeah, I was, you know, I was watching the video that Mark Cremone made about it, that the isn't it still unreleased technically? The director's cut? Yeah, I don't think it's been played in theaters. It's, a, it's another one that I think is well, when you look at like the Metacritic score, it's very divisive, but a majority of the positive reviews have come from like recent reevaluations. That's good. So I kind of feel like a Criterion re-release might actually sort of get it off the verge of controversial classic to an actual like classic. Especially because um if you watch no the the releases that are out now that are uncut, mm-hmm. um the scenes that were cut and were spliced back into this release are of a lower quality. Uh mm. obviously off of some like second edition of the printer, who knows. Mm. Uh I think they said that they basically just like cut it and like threw it away. So <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, I think I think uh getting a little restoration on it would be really cool. Mm. Well I, st- I should still watch it. I still will. Oh I was I oh, totally watch, watch it, it totally yeah. watch it. It's um I definitely thought it would be good to mix with Sallow because it's it's in a very similar vein, just definitely not quite as <laughs> disgusting. Not as, yeah. as delicious. Yeah. So I I suppose this is a good enough time as ever to begin our discussion of Sallow, Sallow. or the 120 Days of Sodom, which All right, is just a dream real quick true. though. Let's hear everybody's pronunciation of it. Um Sallow. Salo. So you say Salo, you say Salo, and I've been saying Salo this whole time. Salo is definitely the worst out of all three. It is. No, it is. But it's not Salo. Definitely no. not Salo. No. Definitely Salo is not. the worst one of them. Salo. Yes. Okay, so I'm, I am on the BFI top 100 of all time list, and mm. I I would like to bring to light the fact that this is the most egregious example of ties on their list because really yes salo is tied at 75 with at least eight movies los olvidados jaws salo the wild bunch husbands keys fear ali furies the soul a clockwork orange mulholland drive the general the shining there will be blood M, Battleship Potemkin, Cachet, <laughs> The Seventh what the Seal. Fuck? Good Lord. What the fuck? These are you all tied the at 75. Oh my god. We're going to be doing this forever. <laughs> <laughs> so some good, that's, there's a, a wide variety of quality in that list, if, if you ask me. Yeah, this is this Jaws right next to Sallow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're both the perfect summer blockbuster film. <laughs> oh. Both very family friendly. I watch Solo every summer with my family. <laughs> Don't you? Uh, all uh, right. So uh, I don't know. I don't know where to begin. This this film is it's notorious. It, notorious is an understatement. This is like it really yeah. If you were to it pick, is, it is the so definition notorious. of yeah. notorious. It is mm. so notorious that it is a meme now. Mm-hmm. unfortunately solo is one of the more popular i don't want to say criterion memes but you know cinephile memes i swear to god if, if anyone watches the you know in the criterion closet videos i feel like there's at least f- f- 
good 10 to 20% of the videos will jokingly bring up Sallow, except for Gaspar Noe, who I 100% believe really loves this movie. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> How yeah. can he not? I was talking on the Criterion Discord about um, just how uh, negative this joking has had an effect on the film, though. In what way? Like, just, just, just um, sort of degrading its actual prominence as a film and what it's saying. It's it's become mm-hmm. more of the joke than anything else. Yeah, because which you know, yeah. is just sad, especially because Pasolini would like rip his face off if he saw what was going on (laughs) well the more i read about pasolini the more i'm not sure we should be catering to his desires necessarily (laughs) but um uh, i think there's we're probably going to be talking more about like philosophy on film in general with this discussion than we are about the film but i do want to just in generally say this is a 1975 film by italian director pierre paolo pasolini it is a film that takes place in the Italian uh, fascist government that was puppet government that was formed by Hitler and Mussolini. Mussolini. And the, not from like 1923, capital in the town of Salo. Uh, this was when the Allies, I think, had already landed uh, or at least were starting to attack the southern Europe. And Salo takes place in, in the final years, final year or so of that uh, regime. And it's about th- four uh, libertines, whatever that means. Libertines. Um, <laughs> and they, they fascists who kidnap a bunch of good looking young people and force them to do weird things. In weird is a, understatement weird, huh? of the year. <laughs> in a uh, summer home. Drinking chocolate milk with ice is weird. This is not weird. <laughs> It's not a quirky thing that happened. Man, that was so crazy. <laughs> let's let's go in a circle and tell our, our general thoughts and feelings. Uh, I know Chandler and I own uh, the Solo Criterion. Yeah, we had to buy it. <laughs> well, I had to buy it. Jacob already had it. And I guess I, this is I the first planned ahead in November. So. Oh, OK. Oh, God. Yeah. So you, I knew it wasn't had... anywhere online. And so I picked it up during, you know, the last part. It's also sale. hard. It's decently hard to find in stores, too. It's not it's currently out of Criterion print website. On, yeah. 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 Uh, I had to really? go to. Yeah, I had to yeah. drive like 30 minutes to a Barnes and Noble kind of out of my way just to get it. Well, I'll, I'll start, I guess. Yeah. Um, this it, it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible. Movie. But I do think it's good. And I do think the horridness has a point that is pretty powerful. I I understand that it has a reputation. I do think the reputation definitely um, is is earned. Um, but I don't think it's as you gross look disgusting as people make it out to be. I think there's a very clear um, criticism going on. And I do find it more interesting as like a sort of simulation of the psychology behind somebody with absolute power than I do an actual like narrative because I don't really think there's there's not much of a narrative there, there's no narrative no yeah. the narrative is complete I was thinking essentially there's there's three you could essentially cut this movie down until three scenes and it still tell the same story yeah oh I was totally thinking of like basically the story starts and ends with the very first frame 
of actual scene uh, where the four libertines are writing the regiment. Basically, mm-hmm. that right there, that's the story. That's the whole, you know, rise and fall. These four men have decided that they will control the fate of a group of uh, young people to do depraved sex acts. Mm-hmm. And at the end, uh, everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the first 15 minutes of them rounding them up. And then you could essentially have like one scene in the middle of oh, yeah, weird yeah, stuff. Like base... And then at the end, they die. And that's it. That's yeah, the only plot. I mean, what happens in between those points is basically pointless just because they're all totally equal, just showcase of terrible things. They aren't yeah. like, uh, you know they don't have any minute detail that you can pick out and be like, ah, oh, this, this part has far more significance. It's, mm-hmm. it's just showing you what the Nazis were like, basically. Well, it's, I feel like it's not even about like the Nazis in particular, because not all, most sure. Nazis, yeah, I'm assuming are not anybody. as sexually deprived as, as what was going on in this film. But it is about like the depths of the, the what the human soul can go to under. Yeah. If it's given it free reign to do stuff like that. You see that's the thing is, you know, cuz I think a very important thing to note is the time frame in which the movie presents itself. Mm. It was either 1944 or 1945. Is it 1945? Uh it's both. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, cuz it's 120 days, which if you ask me, they don't do a necessarily great job of, you know, portraying the time, but that's another topic. Eh, it's northern uh, Italy, so it's yeah. always beautiful. <laughs> Uh, the 1944 1945 time frame i think is very important because it 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 you know it suggests that this is the tail end of fascism in italy um but it also suggests that the people behind these acts you know the people the fascists i think that the extremes that they go to at first it could seem like it's just shock you know they're just trying to show shock but I think the the time frame is significant because it shows that these are people who have been given absolute power for a few years now. And I feel like the desensitization, desensitive, whatever they're desensitized to the what they can do to other people to the point where they're it's just it's it's tribal at this point. I think it's also important to to understand that this is at the end of the war. They most you never really get a sense of world war ii going on in this film like there's none of Mm -hmm. it whatsoever um maybe some airplanes flying overhead here and there Mm -hmm. but you do if you think about it from a historical context you you know that they know that things are going downhill like they are not uh, fascism is not on the rise anymore and their days are numbered and i think Mm -hmm. it's very telling that these people choose to do this and continue to do so at a time when they they're they're losing yeah well, it's almost like they're going for broke yeah they're like oh i could either you know stop and fess up to my crimes or i can just do everything i want to because they know they're it, it's almost evil. true evil mm-hmm. it's like it's this is what they actually want they're not trying to hide anything because they know right it, you know it, they could hide things and they yeah. make them it better for them perhaps but they're not, but yeah, and you, they won't you get see this that, opportunity again. 
Yeah. Right. And you see that in real life examples in World War II where once, you know, they find out that that's it for them, they go and they kill all the prisoners. They, uh, you know, do all sorts of brutal things. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of like a, in, in a fight or flight reaction. It's just sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's painfully nihilistic. But I don't think it's nihilistic in a way that is without purpose. Right. There is not an ounce of humanity, either on the fascist side or in the teenager side. Because there, I think there are some people like the the curly haired teenager who sort of gives in. That the, the there's like three basic uh, reactions that these teenagers have. One is there's a few that try to escape, and they are killed. Which honestly is probably the way to go. There's the two. There's the other way where they they just want to endure it and they want to see if they can live. They it's can, just that like know, nothing else. Like they just shut down. Yes, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the third one, which they go along with it which you definitely right. see with some of them. Right. And um, you see they actually get rewarded. Yeah. Um, you know, in surviving. Yeah. And you can definitely tell towards the end that there's a, there's a certain point where they're just broken down. Mm. They have nothing. There's no, they, they're long past the point of protest, the point of resistance. It's just kind of, this is their life now. And it's become normalized to them, which is terrifying in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's oof, good Lord. But and, and I guess in that way, though, is there's the fourth type in that regard, sort of in the part that have sort of accepted it and are going along with it. It's how you treat your fellow man. Yeah, because uh, there's the character Ezio, who's mm-hmm. my favorite character. And uh, you see sort of this very interesting chain of events where uh, the boy tells um i believe it's the magistrate or one of the libertines that he knows that one of the girls has a picture under her pillow and so they go to get her yeah. because that's breaking and the, the girls and then she's like i know else yeah, yeah where mm-hmm. these two women where these two uh of the uh captured women have lesbian relations and then mm-hmm. they go there and they're like no i know <laughs> Well, that, here's, yeah. here's a quick question. That Sorry the for the, the, sleeps with the black maid. Didn't weren't okay. in the rules in the very beginning that you're not allowed to have um, male and female relations. So as I'm yes. aware, it didn't say anything um, about homosexual relations. I think just in general, though, I think the rule is that you cannot have any sort of sex without their consent. Because okay. if you recall, it, I, it, really, it really wasn't that clear, I think. But well, if you recall during the marriage uh the oh yeah the boy tries to penetrate well yeah but that is like no that's for us you can't do anything unless we tell but you that's to. a heterosexual relationship. yeah but i, I doubt it's it not clear that's all i'm saying i think you're probably they, right they treat i mean clear. they treat heterosexual and homosexual relations equally it is very interesting uh, that that is the case that it's there's not really much of a distinction made between anything any sexual act here it's all yeah the same right anyway, and it's almost continue. not even like a um a homosexual thing it's almost just sort of like a, a pure just give me all the sex thing yeah um, sex is sex kind of yeah just whatever it is mm-hmm. um but i think Ezio <laughs> oh. is truly <laughs> a uh oh if we haven't stated it already so we <laughs> we may be stating we may be talking about some uh it's gonna get uncomfortable tough. things yeah <laughs> <laughs> if it hasn't already um, yeah 
And then what leads to my favorite scene is Ezio being confronted by the Libertines having sex with the maid. Um, and then instead of ratting out his other men, like everybody before him does, he simply throws up the socialist salute and says, I'm not going to, you know, the, the chain of blame ends with him. Right. Because up. that's, because definitely and like makes total sense today when we're talking about people, you know, sort of, uh, you know, race defying and selling ourselves out to each other mm -hmm. is that these people all have the same interest in staying alive and getting out of this, but they know it breaks down and, you know, most of the people, which I think Pasolini is trying to show as the Italian populace is just, you know, they don't like it, but they're going to grit it. Mm -hmm. And if they have a chance to get ahead, then they'll sell out the people who who don't even hurt them for the people who do. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that's definitely one of the main themes in uh, in Salo. Yeah. So here's my OK. I I watched Salo and I I. Wow, that's something to say. Uh, I watched Solo. So, can we, at the very least, I'm can we say point. at least this is done with? This is not only, I feel like this is not only a BFI bucket list type thing. It's just, I feel like everyone should see it. Yeah. Oh. And I'm glad that I have seen it. Well, I was about to say that I, I think that no one needs to see this. Really? <laughs> I okay. think that you are far better off in terms of most people uh, with the idea of Solo. Because I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay. Ultimately, I guess my question for you two, because you two appear to seem to to like it more than I do. Um, yeah. It's it's just that. What do you get out of this that needed that justifies watching it? Not that justifies its existence. I think its existence is important in and of itself. That the it was yeah. created, and that Pierre Paolo Pasolini had a vision, and I'm happy that he made it i don't i don't even find it all that gruesome and disgusting from a this from a modern perspective i, I it, it is I those things but i you know we're we're kind of desensitized at this point and it when it was That's released true. i'm sure it was a much different a much yeah. different reaction i can only this imagine I mean, my god yeah <laughs> but 75 <laughs> the brady bunch just started sleeping in the same bed what about Ooh. the human soul is this trying to express that is worth people taking the time to look at it because it's honestly it the thing i'm most proud of this film about is that it it flies by it was not boring for for what it was and that's often a problem <laughs> yeah. i have with movies it did not have a pacing yeah. problem other than that, I, I got to the end. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not sure why this had to be this long or why you had to go into this depth to communicate the ideas you were trying uh -huh. to communicate. And I'm okay. not saying that that isn't there. I am very curious to hear because that's why I was looking into the special features and I wanted to know mm -hmm. more. And I want to hear from you yeah. too. Like, what is, what are you getting out of it that justifies watching it? Okay. Well, okay. This is different. As far as justify, you know, justifying watching it, 
this is not something I don't think I'll be revisiting anytime soon. Um, But as far as what you get out of it, I think the length really adds to the sense of depravity. And I think that this movie as in as indescribable as it is, the best thing I can call it is a horror, not in the sense that it uses the genre to sort of metaphorically tackle uh, human issues. It it's a sort of psychological experiment or representation of the deepest lengths of human evil. And I think it's important. I watched this and I felt a just a sense of defeat and I don't want to say sadness, but just brokenness that most other movies can't give me. And Mm -hmm. I think a huge part of why that is, is because on the surface, it seems like torture porn, but that historical context really manages to be effective because these kinds of things happened and they still happen. I think it's important in that sense to just sort of remind you that you want to separate yourself from this evil, but it really is hard to tell in given the proper circumstances, how you would react in a situation like this. It, so here, here's my counter argument to that. I think that the film is very one note in its portrayal and repetitive. And yes, the moment when the, the one uh, guy uh, raises his hand and refuses to, to, to back down and gets shot. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the more, one of the moments, one of like three, three minutes in the entire film where humanity kind of shines through that and when mm-hmm. the, the piano pianist uh jumps out the window yeah um, i think those are very telling moments in the film uh but they're very very small and the rest of it's quite repetitive in what it's trying to get at and i i guess my counter argument here is a film like come and see which is also filled yeah. with the utter depravity that humans can go to mm-hmm. and yet there is a much greater range of responses and um ideas in that film about how people respond in such in in a way to this i'm not gonna say it's better than come and see oh (laughs) i don't i don't even especially love this movie i do think it's worth watching and important and i liked it um but what about you chandler um i think i'll say this in two parts the first part is just sort of understanding the film history of this um this is definitely not Pasolini's best work. Mm-hmm. And I think what's also very important that this isn't how Pasolini wanted to be remembered as his last film. Yeah. Because uh, as you know, he was murdered uh, soon after this film was released. Like two weeks. Um, And so definitely to him, this wasn't like... Uh, I don't think it was him trying to go all out on it so it, it was um, not like it, it wasn't a conscious words, last film effort from him yeah it wasn't like a conscious like okay guys this is me in like the biggest way possible and this is what you really have to listen to in regards to my my world philosophy um it was definitely a response it was definitely him 
uh, after making the Trilogy of Life sequel, just to show that like his vision of sexuality just can't exist because of modern consumption. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, um, I guess, so the, so the question is, do people have to see this? Well, it, it's what could they get out of it? If what do they get out of it? Why why do they need to put themselves through an hour and a half, two hours to? Yeah, I think in this particular moment, and this may be myself and my own view on this. I think that regardless of how open minded we are, I think that we still avoid these sort of things uh regardless um and i guess that even to really understand the depths of human nastiness you know it's one thing to see it in come and see in a in a fictionalized way but i do think that these sort of showings are necessary just to short sort of remind us that like like i feel like with come and see there's still a layer of removal it's it's in come and see the the evilness is a lot more clinical it's not there are moments definitely where the the people take pleasure in the atrocities they're doing but a Mm. majority of it is okay this is war this is what needs to be done whereas sallow if these people are loving every second of it well which is which is kind of ironic because the whole film is very much film from almost an objective point of view where you're not supposed like none of it is filmed from a way that you or anyone actually looks like they're getting much pleasure from it like the camera isn't much commenting on any of this yeah well that's what what keeps it from being pornographic right yeah right pasolini and people have said this about this film extensively so this isn't a grand idea by myself but pasolini makes you almost become a participant Mm-hmm. Uh, against your will, much like you're like a guard, pe- much like the um, much like the victims mm-hmm. of this film, where you're put in a place where you're just as hopeless as you know the victims. You don't get any sort of reprisal, any sort of breakaway, any sort of relief. This mm-hmm. is basically straight shotting the terrible ideas that we don't want to think about the existential ones where if we truly acted upon you know every fabric of modern society breaks down and we just you know get so nervous about that um i think that's why salo is sort of necessary to hit that end well i suppose it's you're not really like I read some of that, the the idea that it makes you almost a victim, or almost a part of it. The problem with that is that you can look away. You don't have to watch Solo. You don't have to be. You don't have to put yourself through this narrative in and of itself, which almost also adds to it in that the fact, the mere fact of watching it, is you are running this these series of terrible images in front of your mind. It is your fault almost. For pushing play on this this horror but if of you're humanity. ignoring it isn't it similar to ignoring isn't it almost like ignoring the fact that these kind of things happen 
Well, it's you can look at it from that philosophical point of view, but I I feel like on a very normal level for most audiences, you can't because it's a movie. Well, I'm not necessarily suggesting uh, everyone see this. It's if you really if you think about it, it's just a movie. It is just their actors on a screen. Nothing bad is actually happening from an objective point of view. And. uh, Yeah, it's okay for me, it's similar to um, this is going to sound like a very strange comparison, but it is true um, to do the right thing. Uh, hmm. because do the right thing when i watch that i think oh man this is so 80s in a lot of ways but then you see things that happen like what happened this weekend with uh, the guy in minnesota we're like oh this is still relevant this is still powerful and it speaks to a lot to human nature this when i was watching this something that kept coming into my mind was okay this is crazy but did this happen sure enough of course this did happen is it still happening and all I can really think about the whole time I was watching it was Epstein's like uh, island. Like, OK, I'm sure something similar is happening here. This stuff just happens. And seeing this and seeing just how horrible it can be. And sure, I'm sure it's played up. The uh, it, there's definitely some theatricality to it for the sake of cinema. But the whole nihilism and the just absolute lack of sympathy and empathy is something that I don't necessarily think has gone away. And I think it's just very powerful in the way that it makes you just feel hopeless. But there's something good in that where, you know, at least, OK, this is what we're capable of. And maybe in, in some way it inspires you to take action against it. Well, that might be one of my problems is that it's very much not a film made to inspire you to anything. It's it's hopeless almost in its portrayal mm-hmm. of these events. And I don't know. Well, it I don't know about it's you guys, hopeless, but, but it, it's, the hopelessness is is a power of its own. Yeah, but that's that's so much that's up to the interpretation and the experience of the audience to such a degree. And that's film, exactly I, I give the film credits for not guiding the audience to its preferred stance on the subject, mm-hmm. you know, and. But but on the other end of that, <laughs> there's no sides to take here. <laughs> there is definitely a side to take, and I think the the goal of such a all, here's the thing: all film is propaganda, all of it. Yeah, and if you're gonna make something, um, you you want to make something that is both subtle and not necessarily forcing your ideas down the audience's throat, but also something in the end that you are inspiring them to be something greater or do something. And Salo leaves me with, I just don't want to watch Salo again until maybe a few years later. Maybe I will. I will probably revisit this at some point, but there are, there are spent 40 bucks on it. I'm definitely not going to just never touch it. (laughs) Other channel. I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts. Sorry for, I I just feel that if you, because obviously, and um, like the, I feel like the main enemy, that the, the contemporary enemy that Pasolini was looking to showcase was not neo-fascism. He obviously hated it, but it's a metaphor for the consumer society. And I feel like, you know, maybe maybe this doesn't justify his actions, but this is definitely a man 
who's fed up, who's disgusted, who wants to show people, he wants to run out basically in the theater and grab them by the shoulders and shake them and say, look at this. This is what you're doing to yourselves. You know, it's been done before, but it's still happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like that's how you have to interpret it. Not that, you know, or you just have to interpret it that humans. I I think that it does inspire you because for one thing, you want to be better than the victims. You don't want to accept it. And also you want to sort of just realize what's happening today. And, uh, I don't know, just just take that action. I subscribe to the belief that any movie that makes you feel strongly is worth viewing. Yes, let me let me clarify my, my position here is that this is this is worth viewing from a film yeah. history and a film theory perspective. Mm-hmm. And very mm-hmm. much so. I'm glad I watched this. Um, but I think if we're talking about the average audience here. To be fair, the average the average audience would not be interested in a large majority of the movies we've talked about. Well, yeah, but I would still try to recommend one or two of them. Yeah, and Solo, I would say, I think that, <laughs> I think there's utility in it, but I don't think that it you're gonna get most audiences is gonna get any of that utility because I hear what yeah. you guys are saying. I don't think yeah. most people are ever gonna like it's it's essentially a wash when you know you show it to some random person and you know there's nothing at the end of if it. some random person tried to show me this movie i would call it <laughs> yeah no that's definitely not something that you uh start a friendship with uh, date it's, night it's... movie first date solo uh yep yeah jokes fantastic mm. but it's it's on the bfi list it's on the director's list let me clarify that one i that's doesn't surprise so, me is it does it deserve to be here yes I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. Hmm. All right, Jacob, let's hear it. Um, no, split take. Split take. <laughs> split take. Roll the credits. It's it's <laughs> it's surprisingly rare that we have a split take on this. Podcast. It's ironically <laughs> enough. Yes. Um, sure. No, I I just I feel there are there are other films that from a from a cinematic perspective are not as repetitive that introduce more ideas and are more like this film has an impact but let's be honest the films that this has inspired none of them are on this list and none of the people who voted uh, on this list not true cachet michelle hanukkah is a huge fan of this movie okay i suppose but not not from a um the more kind of um, depraved <laughs> yeah, films that this has yeah, inspired. Not the Gaspar Noé. I think you could say ir- irreversible is because he again. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm sure the, Gaspar yeah. Noé's has been in, Noé has been inspired by this, but John Waters as well. So uh, you got violence. Uh, yeah, but none, sexual none of those, depravity uh, and eating shit. None of these movies are on the BFI <laughs> list, and. I'm pretty uh, sure that cachet is okay. Yes, but two of they're very different movies. Um, yeah, in, in a large part, I I don't see the the influence 
because a lot of these movies are I'm not really big on influence. I think a movie needs to stand on its own merits. Yeah. Uh, and then you can consider influence. So there's that. But then also, if it doesn't have much utility beyond the niche filmmaker uh, perspective or people who are interested very specifically in that. Um, and if those are the only people who are going to get anything out of it, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Which, which I, it I don't want to give you the impression that I love this because I don't. It's I'd say, it's, well, I don't know. It's like a solid four out of five for me. But I do recognize its importance, not just as film history, but as sort of. Well, you know, as far as influence goes, I know you don't see any direct influence because it's kind of hard to, you know, no one's putting a shit eating scene in their movie as a no, no, no. There's a lot. There's this. like exploitation film that. Yeah. And I sh- I'm sure Pierre Paolo Pasolini would hate exploitation films yes partially have been inspired by this film but but again you know the the depths of which movies went to i don't know if there's anything comparable to this before this no there's then that and that is exactly why i would suggest that any any comparison or any reason to think about influences i think just sort of goes against the film it's almost a film uh removed from other films yeah it's not it's not revolutionary in the way that it sort of inspired other people to capture the feeling of this it's inspirational or revolutionary because it just it sort of opened the floodgates for what you could do right it pushed the boundary of of yes and what you can show yeah i don't really care for a lot of like visually of like what this film is portraying Um, yeah it's it's, repetitive visually it's not for me whatsoever and I, with that being said, you know, if I was way back, if, if it came, if this film came to me and like, you, are you going to censor this? I'm like, no, this film needs to be released. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's important, but mm. I, um, there's something else. Oh, um, if we're making like a top 200 movies, I'd put it there. I don't think it's much. Okay. I don't think it's far out of the, the top 100. Yeah but I'm not sure it, it deserves to be there. And I guess I was thinking Schindler's list is not in the top 100, which I think is a crime in and of itself. And yeah, it I is. can't put solo above Schindler's list. So I, I think well, there's a lot of movies. That that's just for solo me, above, but, but that's yes, complete. I'd put that fucking, makes me feel a little dirty, but you know, yeah, <laughs> no Schindler's list, but there's solo sad still glad i watched it not sure why i own it but i have it now and i will enjoy the special features at the very least it's a staple in most criterion collections yeah a rite of passage for collectors there's pre-salo and (laughs) post-salo collections and it it has retained that nice smell for me so i'm oh i'm sure i can smell so lovely (laughs) lovely any any final thoughts from chandler or chandler Oh, the the packaging is amazing. The Criterion edition. It's a good one. Yeah, it's great. A lot of special features that we did not look at. (laughs) I think it has one of the thickest books. Yeah. Out of all of them, it's a really it's a thick one. There are a a lot lot of essays. uh, A lot of essays. There's a lot to say. Let's be real. Six essays. Well, the second essay, I was reading it, and it it played into some of my least favorite uh, movie theory tropes. Mm. of where i was reading it I'm like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> remind me of that one that was the um it was from the one director it was i monster 
Right. Um, no, it's just like sometimes some people uh, write essays and it's strictly their their personal reaction to the film. And then mm. they say, here's my personal reaction. This film is a masterpiece of cinema. Like, those two things don't follow. It's you a need masterpiece to... because I think it is a masterpiece. Yes, essentially. <laughs> you need there needs That's to be all a bit you more need there. to know. <laughs> um final thoughts. I guess it's just because I I don't want to say enjoy, but I, I find it important for myself to seek out these sort of uh hopeless things. Mm-hmm. Um I think that it's just a very important film. And I think that at least like I can totally respect all of you guys' opinions on it, you know, even if it's negative. I feel like the at least the fact that it exists and it's preserved, I think that it would just be far more scary if this film no longer existed. Mm-hmm. It makes the the landscape of film so much bigger. Right. I think once we turn our back on this sort of stuff is is when we have problems yeah yeah i know i, I agree, agree. <laughs> <laughs> looks like we're split but only so much no yeah no we're good we're together um, in our if, splitness if you want to watch uh equally depraved and i would suggest more disgusting oh no mostly because it's animated and so that it's technically real when the the violence and gore happens uh if you ever get the chance and this is to the viewers i i doubt that you guys would like to see it because this is a, a bad movie to watch <laughs> is the japanese movie uh midori oh, by director God. and i forget his name putting it on the list i don't know i do love me a good bad movie uh by uh not the manga. It was directed by Hiroshi Harada. Hiroshi Harada makes some some very disgusting <laughs> work. Oh God! Yep, this poster is creeping me out. Uh, oh, the poster doesn't even begin to. Fifty six minutes though. It is short, but that's because it's technically an unfinished cut. Oh. Uh, it's believed that the entirety is lost. Okay. Because fun story. This, I mean, talking. I think that it's better just to talk about the movie and its production and how it was shown. So this movie was only ever shown in underground, like carnival shows. <laughs> so a carnival in Japan would come to town, and they would have sort of their above ground, more family friendly circus. You know, magic and yeah. maybe a few freaks, but mostly just like more acts of strength or whatever. But with the carnival also became also came the really deformed and also depraved acts. Um, and they would basically leave flyers up where to find these secret showings. It's the same uh like uh circus company. And so you basically just find these secret places where they would go and do the more like depraved stuff. Yeah. Um, very interesting. But so Hiroshi Harada would only ever show this film at these places. And just in case you're wondering how terrible this film is, uh, 
at these places at these places where obviously the people are less than uh upstanding citizens and where they're going to see some really bad shit <laughs> even these people would tell him that this is terrible and would kick <laughs> him out and try to destroy the prince it, so where do you find you, it? when your film is so bad it makes carnies into film critics yeah for real <laughs> oh man where did uh, you, where watch you find it, it today yeah. there is a legal version that was released in france and in fact that's the only place it's ever been released Good i'm pretty French. sure it's banned in japan and banned in many different countries uh but otherwise you have to take uh interesting measures in mm. order to watch it mm. and uh you might also i mean the one i've watched i think was the complete like as much film as they could possibly find yeah but there are some other ones you have to look out for which are less than the 56 minute cut oh interesting Hmm. so if if you i I would say a suggested watching if you aren't afraid of going even more deranged than solo well Well, see that's the thing this reminded me chandler told me to watch uh ichi the killer and i watched that a while and this was ichi's kind of it's not quite as bad as solo but it's on whoa hey what (laughs) there's not i'm not talking about quality i'm talking about depravity here yeah here well yeah that that go it's an anomaly because I don't necessarily enjoy these sort of um, this the sadist side of slasher filmmaking, but I guess each is just an exception because it's just fucking out there. But yeah, <laughs> that's mm. a discussion for another day. Probably we'll get to Ichi's like what number twenty three on the BFI list. Oh God, I I don't watch that again. <laughs> Give me, I will I will watch Paddington two for the rest of my life every single day before I watch. Some some of these depressed we'll movies again. We'll do a double feature of Ichi and Gooby. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Have you ever looked at the critical ratings for Gooby? No, they're bad. But yeah, well, well yeah, could, <laughs> I assumed. <laughs> so uh, next week we are doing Greed from 1924. Very excited to watch this one. Another which version? I don't know. Another white whale of cinema. Well, because, you know, there there's two cuts of this movie. There is the cut, the, the quote unquote theatrical cut that the director was forced to make by the studios, which is a, a nice two hours long. And then there's the director's cut, which is nine. <laughs> oh, well, God. I don't think the full version exists anymore. No, it doesn't. And yeah, uh, yeah. but just answer me this, Jacob. If the nine hour version existed, would that be the one you watched? No. <laughs> 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 only because we have to do this podcast next week and that's true i would need more mental preparation for nine hours oh, i just do want to say that um brighter summer day has a, is officially the longest movie i've ever watched really yeah congratulations yeah, we i think you're gonna make it you're gonna the the version of greed on prime for rent is three hours and 59 minutes so it's son be- of a bitch just beats out <laughs> brighter summer day uh, okay awesome i'm sick next week sorry you can watch the theatrical version we can compare oh. notes well you know if one of us has to watch the theatrical version i i guess i could reckon i could volunteer 
If we take to. take one for the team. Yeah, I'll do, do that. You know, for for the podcast, yes, I will submit myself to the inferior version. Thank you. You're a real <laughs> saint. <laughs>